0: Hi, this is Alex Romanovich, and welcome to Global Edge Talk. Today is August 20th, 2020. Interesting date. And our guest today is Jennifer Spencer. Hello, Jennifer. Hello, Alex. Let me tell you in a couple of sentences who Jennifer is. First of all, she is a NASA Goddard Space Flight Center software engineer. Let's start with that. Number two, she was a professional photographer and proprietor at J. Spencer Photography. She's now doing this for pleasure. She started her career at UC University of California, Berkeley as a science data analyst. And prior to that, she was a graduate of University of California at Berkeley with a Bachelor's of Arts in Astrophysics and Applied Mathematics. She also has an Associate Degree in Art She's an artist, she's a world traveler, she's a globalist, she's a wonderful person, and we're happy to have her in our studio. Welcome.
1: Thank you, Alex. It's Very kind of you.
0: With all of these accolades and this amazing background, by the way, I've seen your pictures from Antarctica, from Brazil, from Africa, from all over the place, and they're amazing. And you have traveled the world, you are a software engineer for NASA, You're doing some amazing stuff. You're a data scientist. Tell us what sort of, uh, what was the impetus for all of this? I mean, you you, you started as an arts major and all of a sudden you're in NASA. Tell us more.
1: Oh, actually I started at NASA and all of a sudden I was an arts major. Uh, it's sort of a little bit different uh so my my father taught me math when I was a very small child. Uh, he taught me to read when I was two I was his only child, and he was very concerned that I would know everything. I don't know if this was a good thing or a bad thing, but I knew a lot and I liked math a lot uh and so but I continued to do a lot of different things in school. finally, at junior college, I took an astronomy class and I fell in love and it was really special to learn about the stars, and to learn about the processes in, in space, and to learn about the physics of what makes it all happen. Um, so I continued with that line of work, I went on to Berkeley, and continued in astronomy. And then one day, long time after that, we had a recession. Uh, and um, I would actually say, I should go back a little before the recession, I think I was 36, and I had been traveling, because I love to travel, which is another beginning. But. I was in Morocco, in Fez, Morocco, specifically, and there is an insane amount of activity in Fez at any given time, and and none of it makes any sense to anyone except the Fossies. Uh, So I wanted to photograph this, and I wanted to sort of explain this chaos to people later when I came home, and I found that I could not. Nothing that I could capture was any kind of anything. And so I thought, well, you know, I better learn to do a better job. This isn't okay. I want to communicate this, and I can't. So I went to night school we had uh, here at Foothill Community College. We had a great night school program for photography and I took photo one and I really liked it. And so I took photo two and it continued. And before I knew it, I was three classes away from an art degree and I got one (laughs) enter the recession. Uh, I was being um, <clears throat> being laid off because we're, our spacecraft has natural phases. Different spacecraft have different phases. There's always a science phase. There's always a the pre-launch phase where there's a lot of money and everyone is gearing up to do everything. And my part was finished. So I was a space person without a spacecraft. Uh, that was pretty uh, difficult to find work. One in—I guess one in eight people were out of work here in Silicon Valley at the time. Uh, very difficult to find a job. And I thought, well, you know, maybe this art degree, I could do something. Uh, a friend of mine, her daughter was having a bat mitzvah and I was honored to be asked to do the photos for her daughter. And from there I was able to get many different clients at the synagogue and they were wonderful people. And I feel very blessed to have gotten a start there and helped me.
0: That's a great story. So you were a NASA engineer first and then you were a photographer. That's pretty That's amazing.
1: right. And then luckily I got to be a NASA engineer again after about three years in photography. Right, right. So that was great. So,
0: so if it's not a federal or uh, government secret what is it that you do for nasa
1: oh it's not at all any of those things and i should clarify that i actually work for telephase corporation which is a contractor subcontractor for our government like many many of the people who work at nasa i'm a contractor i i don't know what the percentage of our workforce is but it's got to be at least half just looking around my office building uh what i do uh and what i have done really i guess since i was in my Uh, Early late 20s, is really doing data archiving uh, for NASA for different things. My first really big spacecraft, and the one I'm probably the most proud of, is Gravity Probe B. I was the data processing lead on that mission, uh, which means uh, taking apart data from the spacecraft, which is always custom compressed, proving that that data was properly unpacked and decommutated is the word we use, for lack of a better one. Uh, And then uh, stored in a database and made uh, accessible quickly to everybody in our science team who needs it, wants it, needs to use it. And then finally, taking all of that out of a proprietary database format putting that into something that is archive quality which means it could be accessed by anyone in maybe a hundred years time that's a very different thing than say using sybase which we used at the time I know I'm old <laughs> but, uh, or using Microsoft or another product which requires a proprietary license there are some very specific archive formats so I had to learn all of that box everything up and take it across the country to Goddard uh, to archive it with the data archiving center and since then I've been more or less in that line of work of either data processing or storing data and redistributing it.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Um, I know this podcast is about entrepreneurship and uh, uh, entrepreneurship, excuse me, and entrepreneurs. But I'm dying to ask you, what do you think of Elon Musk and SpaceX?
1: Well, you know, I think the coolest thing about Elon Musk is no one knows what he's going to do next. Um, <laughs> it's good and bad, I suppose. But I'll tell you, uh, the fact that he's bringing that kind of innovative spirit to um, space work into aerospace is very exciting. I think it's wonderful. Uh, I love it that NASA is working with him. You know, they're working on NASA grants to get their uh, project uh, up into space and there we're a partnership with SpaceX along with two other uh, aerospace companies uh, in particular on this type of privatization of rocketry. Uh, NASA's decided that, you know, this is stable enough work, enough is known about it that we could entrust this to private co- companies and get their assistance and get their innovation. It's time for that. And it's great that he's there. So I, I'm I'm excited to see what he's going to do. I love the bit with the Tesla in space. That was great. But I guess the best part was when he landed the rocket again on the ship. That was awesome.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And he certainly is one of the top entrepreneurs that this country has ever produced.
1: Oh, yeah. And he's doing wonderful things for the Valley and for, with Tesla out here, too.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, Let's talk a little bit about your travel. Um, You've been in how many countries worldwide? Well,
1: I I counted for our podcast because I thought you might ask. Yes, of course. It's 57 plus Antarctica, which is not a country.
0: (laughs) Wow. So you've been to 57 countries plus. Uh Um, What has been the most interesting and the most enjoyable and the most uh not enjoyable story that you can tell us
1: oh gosh um well you know i guess i would have to say i've of course when you travel you see beautiful things and marvels and it's incredible but i guess the most touching story to me was tanzania um i got sick in tanzania I was in Zanzibar, and I ate something that I shouldn't have, I think, uh, off of a dive boat. It was hot, and it had been sitting a little while, and boy, that was the end of me. I didn't feel well. I was stuck in Zanzibar for three days trying to take the antibiotics they gave me, which were insufficient to tackle this particular problem. Uh, I got on the ferry. I was so ill coming home for two hours to get to the capital, because all I could think of was I need to get to the capital. And I got back to the hotel I had stayed in previous to going to Zanzibar, and I met a couple of Swiss ladies and they said, you know, when was the last time you could keep any water down? And I said, well, it's been almost 36 hours. And they said, you should go get help now. And it turns out they were journalists working on health clinics in, in Tar- Dar es Salaam, which was shocking. I mean, what were, the, what were the odds of my luck there? I told the hotel, listen, I think I better go. And they said, well, it's after nine, it's dark. And in Tanzania, that means, you know, someone will probably kill you on the way there. Um, oh that's a risk, yeah. So <laughs> they said, are you really sure you have to go? <laughs> I said, yeah, I think so. And I explained about the water. And they said, well, OK, you're right. But you can't go alone. And I thought, I got all the way here alone. I, what do you mean I can't go alone? <laughs> but they insisted. So I let them insist because I was sick. Who was I to, to, to argue with anybody at that point? And they sent two young men with me. Uh, one of them was the uh, son of the manager, and uh, the other one was his friend. Um, and the and the three of us got in the, t- the taxi that was willing to t- to take us and we went to the Aga Khan clinic. And uh, I don't know if you know much about the Aga Khan, but he has wonderful clinics all over Africa and many places in the world.
0: And I've they saved of my- him, me- but not much. Yes.
1: Yeah, they really saved me. Uh, they gave me Cipro. They gave me a drip. I had a doctor who was trained in Chicago, probably spoke better English than I did. Uh, but ironically, you have to go back and forth with your money. So if you need a malaria test, that's going to be a certain number of of shillings and someone has to take the shillings to the cashier, get a receipt and come back and prove that they paid for it. And then you get the test. And this goes on for every single thing, a bed, an IV, a conversation and this is with inside doctor. of a hospital completely. You're lying down sick oh, my and sick. Yeah. So I don't know what happens if you have to have your appendix out. I, I don't even <laughs> know.
0: <But laughs> oh God forbid yeah. an open heart surgery.
1: Yeah, so you know, God for God forbid, you're. In, I mean, I don't know what happened. So they they uh, now I understand why they said I couldn't go alone because I needed a cashier. Uh, and so you know, Patrick, the one of the young men who came with me, uh, he he sat that he did all of this work. He went back and forth. He took care of me, and while they're giving me the ID IV, he held my hand. This man didn't know me from anyone, and he just sat with me and held my hand until I think one in the morning when I was finally well enough to be released. Um, and his friend Gadson went across the street and he, he, I think it was more than across the street. He ran a kilometer to the local casino and he ran the whole way because he was at risk of death and he got us a cab and we all went home. These guys, they didn't know me from anybody. They risked their lives. They, they were trustworthy with my money. They held my hand. And when I got back to the hotel and tried to give them the rest of the money, which was substantial, they refused to take it. And they said, you would do the same for someone else. And of course, then I thought to myself, well, would I? <laughs> you know, and being an American, that, that was kind of not something we have to ask ourselves a lot. But, you know, I've learned since then. I've learned since then that, yes, yes, I would, because they showed me that that's what you need to do. And the best part was the next day, as I was recovering around 11 o'clock, I was able to come out and have a little tea and a little breakfast. And there was Patrick. And he had a very small micro laptop. And he was looking very frustrated. And I said, what has happened? He said, oh, it, it is not, no matter. No, no, please tell me. And he says, well, I have installed this new operating system. It is called Linux. Maybe you know it. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I do. And he says, you do? He says, because I can't figure out, I don't know how to do anything anymore. There's just a, a, a line. There's nothing. There's I said,
0: a command line and nothing else, right?
1: You got it. And I said, come over here. We have work to do. And the whole day I spent the rest of the day talking to him about Linux, and we became friends, and I was That's able great. to pay him back for what he had done. And I that felt is so amazing.
0: good. That is a great yeah, story. A that is a story. great story. And you're a great storyteller, by the way. Oh, um, thank you
1: for bringing it out. You're a good interviewer. I guess, the, I guess the, possibly the worst story, I don't know. I mean, I've got a few, but um, I suppose the one that might amuse you <clears throat> would be, oh, the $50 compliment. That's my favorite. <laughs> there you go. So I'm in Tunisia. Tunisia is the only country I've ever just up and left after 4 days i couldn't take it anymore and this was this was part of what did it one of the big scams that the con men do in tunisia is they tell you they work at your hotel and you know they're counting on you not really being able to place a different kind of face <clears throat> so we have a sip of water here of course i was in a good mood and i was taken in and the fellow just wanted to practice his english and maybe we could go to a cafe since i was going to go eat anyway and we did And he ordered something like three beers. He spoke in Arabic the whole time. And, you know, the extent of my Arabic is, you know, thank you, no, and shame on you. Those are the only three phrases (laughs) I know. And hello and goodbye. (laughs) Uh, So, listen, they all came in handy. But um, he's sitting there and he's talking to me. And I can see he's ordering all kinds of stuff. And the waiter isn't even talking to me. And we're running up a bill because, of course, alcohol in an Arabic country is quite expensive. Uh, And I'm thinking, oh, dear, this is bad. I have to get out of here. And, you know, the food is not very good either. Uh, and we, it should be good because we're by the sea. This is terrible. So we're, this was really a, a clue. We had, we had to go. And uh, finally, I'm thinking of a way to extricate myself. And uh, he asks, you know, if I'm, if I'm old enough to be married. Now, at this point, I'm 40 years old. And I looked at him and I, I said so. And he, there was this look of horror that went across his face. Oh, God, what have I done? She's 40. Oh, you know, he was, he, I mean, he was clearly disgusted. And I looked at him and I said, well, what are you, 35? And then he was horrified and he says, I'm 23. But he'd done so much hard living, it didn't look that way. (laughs) Oh my! So so there he is and he's trying to change the subject and keep this con going. And I waved to the waiter and I said in French, you know, excuse me, we need the bill and we need it now. I don't need any more of this. Let's finish. It's done. So the waiter looks at me and he looks at the guy and I look back at the waiter and I gave him a glare and clear my throat. And he came back with the bill and I paid it. And It was a fifty dollar bill. And in Tunisia, I assure you, in Tunis, that is a fortune.
0: That's a lot of money, right?
1: Oh, yeah. But let me tell you, the fact that he didn't think I, the fact that he thought I was twenty seven or twenty eight, which is what he told me, was worth the fifty bucks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting story. Um, let's talk about entrepreneurship. Of course. Um, even though you work for one of the largest organizations out there, NASA, federal government, mm-hmm. you've been a photographer You've done some interesting work for the university, you've been in academia, and uh, your career, your, the work you've done can easily be claimed or uh, categorized as entrepreneurial. What is your advice with all the COVID and post-COVID stuff that we have right now, with the, um, uh, a very interesting year for the elections and anything else that's going on around that, what is your advice to a young woman or young man, so to speak, um, anywhere in the world for that matter, on how to pursue an entrepreneurial type of a venture or what to concentrate on, what uh, traits to have or develop. What is your advice?
1: This is a very difficult time. I think one of the interesting things that we're seeing out of this hardship is a redevelopment and a reaffirmation of community We have a lot of people who are struggling to find community where they used to have it at the office And they don't know a lot of isolation And there's a lot of appreciation of our neighbors and the delivery people and all of the people that are around us In the same neighborhood, but maybe we don't talk to them so much, but now we do we're pulling together Against this terrible struggle and some people are losing and some people are winning at that But there is a real feeling of we have to be a group. We have to try to survive together Of course uh, with on the counter side of that in the United States. We have a ton of individualism Fighting back against that as well, but I do feel like there's a bit on both sides Um, If it were me, I would try to take advantage of that community feeling I would try to work on my human skills try to be you're reaching out, trying to think about a way to make personal relationships, work on my networking, join you know, virtual cocktail parties or virtual group meetings that are about the profession that you're interested in. Try to form some personal relationships. Ultimately, those are what get you hired in any organization, I find, Um, whether it's the personal relationship you had to maybe get the interview or the personal relationship you form when you have the interview. Uh, Those are the things that are going to get you the job. And now is a unique opportunity where everybody's, I guess the playing field's been leveled, I would say, in terms of access, you know? Uh, it's easier to access these digital talks than it ever was before no matter where you are You don't have to have a great suit. You don't have to have a lot of money You have to have a computer and an internet connection and if you can do that you can really join communities I think I would probably start with that and then try to leverage those relationships if possible or just and I, you know, I say that that's a cold thing to say But you might rather say try to show people who you are and why you would be a good asset and be yourself And then they will hopefully pick up on that and say, you know We should give that young person a shot Mm. That's what I would do.
0: Excellent advice. I appreciate that. Let's talk about travel some more. Hmm. Um, I feel like travel entrepreneurship, especially in the in the global scale, uh, they go hand in hand. Now we we can't travel too much as Americans. It seems no. these days we're unwelcome right now. We're contagious. We're very unwelcome. <laughs> we're contagious and we're unwelcome for other reasons as well. Indeed. Um, what are your thoughts on? What's going to happen with all of that? And uh, I know you've, 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 you're probably dying to go someplace again. I know I'm oh, yes. dying to go someplace again. I haven't been to 57 countries, but I've been to at least 35 to 40 and ready to go again. But um, it's, it's been very challenging. What are your thoughts on all of this?
1: Well, I tell you, it's tempting to put your food on a tray and recline your seat back just to pretend, you know. <laughs> it's uh, it's been hard staying at home. My 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 friends calls it ground sick, you know, when when you've been in one place too long and you feel itchy and and you want to see something new and you want to experience something different. And now, of course, we can't do that. I do uh, as a scientist. I always go straight to well, what are my facts? What's my research? And my research is telling me that the vaccine possibilities look pretty promising. Uh, right now, it doesn't look like we're in an AIDS situation where, you know, our T cells are being attacked or something like that. It looks like we are making new T cells to combat this virus once we've had it. Uh, there's very good research out recently from the CDC about this, and of course from um, for excuse me from the BBC. They've had some really good articles about it, and uh, many of our science journals like Nature. So. Reading that, I think we're making really good progress. And I think if we can be patient and we can continue our social distancing and wearing our masks, which science is proving are working uh, and helping, uh, then I think we can maybe go back to travel. But if we don't um, politically mend fences... You know, we may face other problems, but from a health perspective, at least I think we will be safe again uh, when when and if we can develop proper medicine. And so many people are working so hard all over the world in the United States to develop that. I think we're going to get there.
0: I certainly hope so. And I certainly hope that, uh, you know, the, the attitude towards the Americans and t- towards the America is going to change as well. Of course, it has uh, to.
1: This is this we've yeah. we've displayed an incredible uh, foolishness and. I don't know, imbecility. I don't know what the word we want to use is, but you know, it's, it's unfortunate because these elements are in every single society at every part of the world. And you know ours are really exposed right now.
0: <laughs> I'm shooting some random questions at you, if you don't mind. No. Um, you're, you're a very interesting um, individual. And um, let me ask you this question. Um, what would be the advice from you today to a Jennifer of 20, 30 years ago and Hmm.
1: why oh uh don't worry so much and trust your gut (laughs) i think that's what i would tell myself my intuition uh has been right most of the time like i think like most of us uh and uh, that that self-doubt when you're a young person it it just it just eats at everything that's kind of important to you you have to trust what you know and what you feel in your heart if you don't you end up in a situation that you just have to extricate yourself from later anyway so you know best to best to go with what you feel
0: excellent excellent great advice well jennifer first of all i want to thank you for this uh, lovely chat thank you for the Uh, opportunity alex i would love to continue this conversation i would love to invite you back for some additional uh, podcasts. I would be honored. Uh, It's been a a very interesting conversation. You're um, an amazing individual, very accomplished. Uh, I think a lot of folks are gonna be listening to this podcast and just trying to emulate, trying to understand more, trying to uh, get more information. So we're gonna publish a lot of this information about uh, about you on our landing page. Uh, Share your photographs. You have some amazing photographs of Africa, of uh antarctica and and a few other places and um uh would like to invite you back
1: well thank you i would love to come this is i have a, you are also a very interesting person of course alex so i enjoy our conversation
0: thank you what what, what makes me interesting is talking to people like you i'll be honest with you
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> well you have to be organized to make that happen right <laughs> well I, I,
0: i'm trying my best um, you're doing great <laughs> so thank you so much and we will see you and talk to you soon
1: Okay, great. I'm going to go update everything you asked for and I will do my homework.
0: (laughs) Excellent.